Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 162, and today we are here with Dennis Paco of Max Booze. Dennis, what's up, yeah. brother? What's up? Glad to be here. It's an honor to be here, man. I appreciate it. Dude, thank you, man. I'm 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 glad to sit here with you. I've been uh, following your work ever since you've come back and uh um, nice. I've been interested in what you've been doing and then since you sent us this uh this nice care package, bro, I got a chance to check out the book and uh I'm excited to hear the the history of Max Boost. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely history there and um yeah, for, you know, it like I said I launched it way back in 1998 so you tell me where you want me to start well let, let's first start off if you could just give us a quick breakdown of uh who you are what you do and then we'll we'll dive into the particulars of it all right um let's see so um what oh wow that's an interesting question where would i start well first and foremost i guess um i've been in the industry in the tuner industry since the early 90s uh-huh. um so uh when i was uh basically in high school i started uh doing this crazy uh <laughs> stuff with hondas and street racing way back before anybody you know in public really knew what was going on so yeah. um you know it's a, a whole different uh, basically og generation right got you we were doing all of this and um yeah so i started back then um and uh my passion was comic book art and I always wanted to be a comic book artist. Okay. And so I studied art for a long time and um, actually worked in the comic book industry in the middle of high school. And, uh, and to the dismay of my mom, right? My yeah. Asian mom, uh, well, hoping I would, it would only be a fad and I wouldn't want to keep wanting to do art for a living. She wanted me to be a doctor or yeah. a, you know, an attorney. And she said I was really smart. And um, well, uh, I guess I wasn't smart enough to not want to do art. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and it was very important to me to follow your passion. And back then, man, when the industry was growing, uh, or, or just starting, it wasn't even growing yet. It was just literally starting. Um, we were trying to figure, um, I, I just knew I was so in love with the, basically the tuna culture that I wanted to do things that would help it grow. Yeah. And, um, and you know, at the time, there was Turbo Magazine, um, uh, Super Street, and Sport Compact Car. Those were basically the three magazines that were going head-to-head. Things were starting to grow. And... Um, in my car, I met Michael Ferrara, who is now the publisher of D-Sport Magazine, and he also owns IDRC, the import drag racing circuit. Mm-hmm. But back then, he was an editor for uh, Turbo Magazine, and we ended up eventually meeting because of my uh, Integra GSR. So my first uh, Rice Rocket was yeah. an Integra GSR, a black one, and it became the first drag generation two turbocharged Integra in, um, in, the, in the United States. Um, and so we turbocharged that, it got into Turbo Magazine, and that's when I met Mike. And then so, um, kind of going through the story um, uh, pretty quick here, um, I met Mike, became friends with them over at Turbo Magazine, um, and uh, started my clothing company called Auto Cannon First, um, which a lot of OGs know Auto Cannon uh, and my brands like Shift Gear and Racerette and stuff like that. I could get into that a little later in the podcast. Yeah. I launched a clothing brand when I was really young, uh, really early in the uh, tuner days. Um, and then um, c- coinciding with that, um, since I had a comic book background, I've always wanted to do a comic, right? And so Max Boost is that comic. And uh, how Max Boost came around was really cool. Um, when there were only the three magazines at the time, I remember Turbo Magazine invited me up to their Huntington Beach office where I went up there and they said, we got a new project, nobody knows about it, and we want your help. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And they said, we're going to come out with another magazine. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we want to make it better than the other three. We, we can't have it be the same. It's got to be something unique and different. Can you can you come up with some ideas? And so I, you know, I went back home and I and I started to, you know, come up with ideas. Uh, obviously, I was an artist, so I was good at Photoshop and doing all these things. And I started to create some new um, some new uh, cover designs and some concepts for this magazine to be different than Super Street Turbo Magazine and Sport Compact Car. And what uh, what it eventually became was Import Tuner Magazine. So I designed the logo, the original Import Tuner Magazine logo, designed the concept for the cover. I said, you know the covers? Let's go, let's go a different direction. Let's do studio shot covers, which they were like, oh my God, that's so expensive to do. I'm like, well, that's a way to make it in- immediately different. So uh, you know, pushed for the studio shot covers. And then um, at the time, Lowrider Magazine was really big and they had a girl on the, you know, girls with the car, yeah, that yeah, whole kind of yeah. thing. And we're like, throw the throw a model on there right as well that'll be different than the other magazines um and then i also said you know what man it's not just about the cars i think we should really start talking kind of more lifestyle and culture let's angle it towards lifestyle culture because uh that's what's really happening it's not just about like for example turbo magazine was all power Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was all you know and um and so i said for importuner let's talk about you know a little bit more culture more cool more you know style more whatever and uh and that's kind of how the, the the basis of the magazine started. Um, so they, they, they appreciate those ideas. And I really, really wish, I, I've been looking so hard for the original files that I made of the original logo and the uh, cover designs I presented. I wish I had those. Those got deleted on a hard drive or uh, lost on a hard drive. But yeah. I, I really wish I had them because um, a lot of people have no idea that I was involved in Importuner in the beginning. Um, and so, but I had one thing. There was one thing I said that will make this magazine better than the rest or at least minimally different and i said one of the issues that they were having at the magazine was everybody's got a honda on the cover Mm -hmm. you got three magazines now we're going to go fourth and we're going to owe all four hondas and for those that are new back then there were no there wasn't a dub the sti (laughs) there wasn't an evo there wasn't any of that stuff so it was all basically hondas yeah uh, the Supra was around the big money cars were there but the sport compact scene was very 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 much honda Okay, so um, so they're like, we can't put a different kind of car on the cover uh, because um, if we do, we lose sales because nobody picks up the magazine when we throw like, I don't know, name, name, name any other uh, vehicle, even at 240SX, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or Sylvia or whatever. And they want to do different covers, uh, cars on the covers. And so I said, what if what if we solved it by what if I created something that no matter what was on the cover of the magazine, people would come to the newsstands and open it up every issue Mm -hmm. and that's when i created max boost as a comic book that continued from month to month and believe it or not that thing worked and so uh import tuner was one of the fastest growing magazines at the time and also surveyed um the reader surveyed that like over 75 percent of them subscribed because of max boost and my my comic book yeah so that was that's the import tuner like um behind the scenes story right there dude i love that man yeah and, a, and yeah, and a little bit of a fast forward. That's one of the reasons why, uh, and good for them, Kip Kington and the guys of IGC who ter- published Turbo Magazine, Importuner was one of the big reasons it was sold. So good for them. Yeah. So. Dude, that's a lot to unpack, bro. That's yeah. All, that's awesome. <laughs> a lot of history. Uh, lot of I history. love it, man. So um, 
when you decided to work with uh, w- or when you were working with Import Tuner, was that kind of your plan that you wanted to do? You wanted to start your um, start a comic series inside of it and you use that as sort of like a, a selling point to them. Hey, this might be a good idea if, if we did something like this. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just thought it was a good idea, period. One way or another, like we someone someone should do it. Right. Yeah. And um, and so, the, again, like. Um, uh, when I launched Max Boost, the, Max Boost is the original and the first and the only like you, uh, uh, um, tuner comic, import tuner comic in the United States. Other than that, you had stuff from Japan, obviously, like Initial D. Mm-hmm. But even then, we started way back. Like, uh, I think Initial D was around the same time, believe it or not. Yeah. Kind of crazy if you think about it. So um, we launched that very first issue of Import Tuner launched in 1998. Wow. So, yeah. Dude. Crazy. Yeah, it is. I know, man. We were uh, we were talking before the podcast, and we were saying that um, you stopped doing Max Boost in 2006, yep. and then I said that uh, I signed on to my first Honda forum in about 2007. So before that, <laughs> Hondas were just Hondas to me. <laughs> I was uh, there you I, go. I was into yeah, I was in a muscle car community, dude. When my there first go, car man. was a, a Chevelle, so it was kind of one of those things like if you buy a muscle car that you uh, you hate imports. So yep. it took me a, lot, a long time to figure that out. But you said it right there. Exactly what you just said was the culture back then. Yeah. So if you read the original issues of Max Boost, and I like, and I like uh, people love to read Max Boost because if, they, if you read it correctly, you see a snapshot mm-hmm. into the industry from very early on in the culture. Got you. Sorry, I keep fingering this. Don't thing worry, you're good. We, we, tried to, we tried to turn off uh the notification popping up on my phone <laughs> don't worry <laughs> about it sorry um so uh you you have said it right there people love reading max boost because it's a snapshot it literally is a snapshot of how the industry was in comic book form i mean even in the original comic book you'll see places that are real where we used to street race inside the comic stuff like that so scenarios and things like that that happened in the comic were things that were happening in real life or some kind of you know, um, version of it. Yeah. Um, everything from dealing with, you know, the cops, uh, tuning stuff, making mistakes and all these kinds of things and blowing up your car are in the comic. And so what you just said right now is a huge part of it. I don't think people realize that when we first started out with these Hondas, number one, zero respect, none. No one understood why anyone would soup up a Civic, uh, have a loud exhaust on it, um, we were ridiculed, we were made fun of, we were picked on um, very early on, but we knew we, we what we loved and we kept doing it. Um, and we knew we can make them quick. We just It just took some time. But the guys who harassed us the most is exactly what you said. Yeah. All the V8 guys. 100%. I mean, we were a joke. Yeah. Right? And so there was this big divide. And if you look in the very first issue of Max Boost, in literally the very first episode, what will you see Max and Otto in love with Hondas, hoping to get an Integra Type R for his birthday mm-hmm. as his first new car? Um, and then the, the jock, uh, Todd, the town jock and bully in Motorville, Todd mm-hmm. drives a V8 Mustang. Mm-hmm. And he's been picking on them forever. And he's just, yeah, he's basically bullied on them forever. And all Max and Otto ever want to do is beat this guy in a race just one day. They're just trying to, they, that's all they want to do. And it's the guy you love to hate, this Todd guy in a red convertible V8 Mustang. <laughs> and so, yeah, so some people that are new to Max Boost go, Why, what's up with the like hate with the V8s? And yeah. it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. That was from before. But now the culture is very different. And you know, that's a completely different conversation. 
But back then, we were establishing ourselves, and no one took us seriously, and people thought we were going to be a fad. Really, like people thought Hondas are just going to go away, um, yeah. and 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 this whole thing would be done, um, and it didn't, obviously. So, yeah. So you um, taking that break from two thousand six to is it sixteen? Yeah. To uh, two thousand six to about two three years ago when I started, we started to play with coming back on social and seeing if we had any fans got at all <laughs> that well, were out there. Yeah. Got you. I, I want to dive into the whole story, but I just want to get your point on this. So from you um, yeah. being in the community since the since the 90s, taking that hiatus and then coming back into it, what are some of the, the big surprises that you've noticed of the, uh, the current community? Oh, man. Okay, that's a good question. This kind of goes a little bit segue, but um, so one of the things I, that is very different now than before so um is that it's so much easier to build a car today like you go on amazon or ebay <laughs> yeah get your things boom you're done yeah like so many other people so many of the ogs paved the way to make it easy for you to get parts mm -hmm. back then man we oh it was so hard like just to get anything we actually had to build so many of the things ourselves everything from engine mounts motor swaps all those kinds of things were nutty that was crazy yeah. back then um, exhaust, uh, yeah, my first exhaust was a, was a trust exhaust mm -hmm. from Japan. Mm -hmm. So uh, for those who don't know, that's ready. Yeah. But it was a trust exhaust. Yeah. Um, and it was stainless steel and it was like, oh, this was like a big deal. And, um, and so we had to make our own things and then eventually DC sports came out with headers and, um, back then we had springs from new speed or we were cutting springs, uh, body kits weren't, you know, people were making, um, their own, um, basically anything and we were trying to establish style mm -hmm. uh wheels right wheels we're trying to get those from japan was crazy back then i mean it was it was really it was not that easy and um remember even back then um was it cell phones were <laughs> very archaic if they yeah. were i so part of part of me doesn't even remember if there were cell phones back then but <laughs> but yeah they're archaic so um so how you got your information on where to get stuff was harder right mm -hmm. you literally had to know somebody um, and then you, what, what you had then was um, essentially racing teams and crowds and people just centered around a particular shop. Yeah. A place you can go and kick it, hang out, have fun, drink, chill, like do the lifestyle, like really sit, literally sit, do the lifestyle. You're not on your couch ordering parts and getting someone to install them and then just keep your car at the, you know, hard parked in the garage. It mm -hmm. was very different. And so that was very, very, and, and, I, and like I said before, very much Honda. Like it felt like 99% Honda. That was, that was the direction everybody was, uh, you know, um, uh, going. Uh, and so um, now the, the difference is obviously, like I said, easier to build your stuff. Um, the cars that are in car shows blow my mind. Like mm -hmm. when I first came back, like about three years ago, I was like, oh my God, wow. Like the cars that would have won shows back then now barely placed yeah. you know? and what you guys have to do um and the level of detail now yeah. to like just do car shows and i'm not a big car show guy mm -hmm. uh per se i'm more of a racer gotcha. um uh just to, just just an fyi um but i respect all of it um but it mind blew it blows my mind like how what level of cars are now both on the race side but definitely on the show side um and uh the other thing too is what you what we kind of said before you got V8s and Hondas and all that stuff mixed now. Yeah. Not a problem at all. And everybody has a lot more respect for each other's builds. Um, and then the other thing that I also noticed 
Liberty Walk Ferraris and stuff like that were not a thing that you would have ever expected <laughs> anywhere, anytime, any place back in the you know nineties, two thousand, early two thousands. Yeah. So that's huge. Big money came into it somehow. Somehow, somehow people had enough money <laughs> to be, you know, to start buying these crazy cars, um, NSXs and McLarens and all that stuff. Amazing, amazing. So uh, the other big di- difference was back then your clout mm-hmm. was actual rep. Like people had to know, like talked about you. People, um, you had a reputation uh, for being something or someone, or people talked about that EG or that yeah, EK. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah, yeah. knew about you, man. That was kind of crazy because there was no social media back then. Not really, right? So you actually had to develop, uh, actually create your kind of your own clout, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, versus today, you've got all the social media. You could post your same photo shoot like 20 days in a row. Mm-hmm. People will like that thing and then just move on. And then you usually you can create 80,000 followers. And that's awesome. And um, but that's, you know, that's in your own hands. Back then, you had to earn your way into a magazine and more importantly, on a cover. Yeah. So there was only 12 covers a year between three or four magazines. You only got about 40 to 60 shots, right, of getting it. And so when you got on a cover, that was a big, big, big deal. Um, and uh, that's what people were shooting for back mm-hmm. then, you know, versus now, I guess, is, you know, likes and large following. Um, that was what we tried to do. And so and those days are gone. So if you ever got on a cover of a magazine, that's huge. You know, you're going to be on a cover of mine. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, but the difference between then and now, man, uh, that's, you know, that's one of the pieces. Uh, definitely. Uh, so hopefully... Yeah, so there's more, but the, you know, there you go. Yeah, uh, are you familiar with the uh, the current um, the race community? Yeah, which one? <laughs> uh, the Honda race community. Yeah. Well, uh, are you talking about drag racing? Drag racing. Are you talking yes. About, um, yeah, drag racing. Takeovers. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> drag racing. Oh, that's the oh, that's the other thing that's surprising. Sorry, I got to say that too. Um, no, I got out of drag. I started in drag racing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give everybody kind of a quick synopsis. I went from dra- street racing to drag racing. I like turning left and right, so I got into autocrossing. Okay. I went from autocrossing into track dr- driving back before people were doing it. Mm-hmm. So I started to get on the track, and that's there's a whole story there. Um, I was actually tracking an NSX. My, I bought an NSX. That was oh, one wow. of my things that I that I did back in the day with my success from AutoCannon and Max Boost, um, and. I had more track mileage on that NSX than I did street miles, I swear. Um, so I tracked that. Then I went from being on the track. Once I was on the track, I never wanted to street race ever again. It was over. Done. I was like, this is not interesting to me. And I like turning left and right. And I ended up becoming um, uh, racing in the Honda Challenge Series uh, with NASA Pro Racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up win- getting second in the championship uh, and also rookie of the year uh, in that first year that we did it. And kind of never looked back since then. Became uh, I'm also right now currently uh, one of the lead uh, classroom NASA uh, pro racing instructors for performance driving for the performance driving di- uh, school division. Um, and then I also did uh, racing certification courses for uh, getting people their racing licenses. So wheel to wheels. So I got I went deep. Like, yeah. And so I'm totally completely into cars, and we're building. Obviously, we're building cars racing cars and all of that so i'm on more on like the performance side of things but on the drag race side i will say that man when i remember our first um battle of the imports back Uh in the day and back when it was called aira aira yeah amateur import racing association yeah trippy right wow Uh, and um i I even i wish i still had the hat Uh um so it wasn't even so it wasn't even battle of the imports just yet right and so I remember back then, and we were watching the OG guys 
um, uh, racing and people trying to get into just the 12 second quarter miles. Yeah. You know, and um, they said it was physically impossible to break a 12 back then. The VA guys were saying mm. it's physically impossible to a four-minute drive to, four, drive to break uh, a 12 second quarter mile. Um, and they had numbers and all these reasons why it wouldn't happen. And of course, we were all trying to get, they were trying to do it. Um, and, um, and then now, oh my God, how amazing are these? Dude, like from back when Steph Papadakis built, you know, um, his yellow. Um, uh, CRX? The, 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 the um, EK. The EK, the EK, the EK, excuse me, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, oh my God, I'm trying to go through my Rolodex of names. Uh, obviously, Bergen Holtz and mm -hmm. all those dudes. Uh, Bergen Holtz with the CRX, who's also in the Max Boost comic, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, Ste yeah, Steph and Mac uh, Steph and uh, Ed Bergen Holtz do make an appearance in Max Boost. Um, and so, those guys are obviously legends. Uh, and from that to seeing what, what's happening now, um, I'm not familiar with everybody and what they're doing, mm, but mm -hmm. some of those, like, uh, what are they hitting? Like eight? Oh yeah, nine nine normal normally aspirated. Yeah, I'm no, just it's, like it's like eight. What? <laughs> yeah, all, I think all motor, they're pretty deep into the eights now. That's and, that's insane. And turbo is that's another story. Like like yeah. eight and a half with a turbo or is is not really that fast anymore. There's dudes that that's are like. The uh, eight O's, you know, sevens. It, it's it's insane. Um, the reason I bring up the race community is because I feel that that's what um what gained the respect for uh the Honda community oh, sure. in in the overall spectrum of racing is because you would have these these Hondas go out to World Cup finals and just demolishing yep. these uh these domestics you know these these domestics popping willies and hannah's just gone that, that's not scaring us yeah, anymore man yeah 100 percent. so yes absolutely props to all those guys that worked so hard trying to drop et times um uh, at the drag strip but yes absolutely 100 percent. that was basically the evolution of our um of our uh the fight and our um, between you know V8s and the uh, four banger front wheel drive four yeah. bangers from the street just evolved onto the strip, and then at that point, like you're saying, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to deny you know seven second passes or eight second passes. Like they're real. Like you can't yeah. you can't be you, you can't fake a time slip, right? So, um, so yeah. Then that respect definitely, um, you know. So props to you guys that have done that and have spent so much time and money to get us down into these you know down into the sevens and it's yeah insane no insane. they definitely beautiful builds beautiful builds though yeah and it's leaning Crazy. towards that too uh guys like uh jason parks from fcs he has i was gonna say fcs you know super fast car plus it's 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 extremely <laughs> clean as well it's beautiful yeah beautiful, beautiful like that. I, just lo I love looking at that car and I'm, yeah again i'm not into drag racing like that at that level but i've obviously noticed that fcs uh uh integ yeah. Uh, right. It's an in, yeah. And, it's um, integral, that, that yeah. The way that, that yeah, the way they designed the front end with that little with like the beak. beak. Yeah. You know, and then the, obviously the color, the color, uh, the the wrap on it, or um, and uh, it just and then the level, and then of course the speed. It's yeah. just the amount of dedication they put in those things. So yes, I I follow those guys. They on, do, man. Big uh, shout Instagram, out to so them. Um, it's it's yeah. crazy to see the evolution come from back in the day. You know when Hondas were, if you beat a GT Mustang, that was something fast. To, that's max boost nowadays. right there <laughs> i love it man so let's go yeah, ahead and those dive were the guys those were the guys that picked on us the most i i gotta say i mean 
Yeah. Mustang guys already have a reputation, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, right? You guys, the new reputation is all the Mustangs are magnetic, right? They're yeah. just magnetic to human. Yeah. Like, they're running into everybody. But <laughs> yeah. back then, man, back then it was like, dude, can these guys just chill out, man? Mustang, Mustang guys, I don't know why. And so, of course, I put my villain in a Mustang, yeah. right? They just have no chill. No chill. Very fitting. <laughs> very fitting. So, uh, Dennis, we have so much to unpack here, dude. Let's 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 yeah, dude, let's go lot. all the way to the beginning, if we can. Where were oh. you uh, born and raised at? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, if you look on Max Boost Volume One on the car, you'll see a little flag, uh-huh. and that little flag is a Filipino flag. I was actually born in the Philippines, nice. in Manila. Okay. And um, we were lucky enough that my dad was able to join the U.S. Navy to get us kind of out of there. Um, so a lot of people that don't know, it is very hard to leave the Philippines to get into the United States mm-hmm. It is not as easy as people, some people might think. Um, uh, and you have to petition to get out yeah. and, uh, to come out here and they only accept so many people every year. Um, and so we were lucky that we were able to get on that. Uh, um, he was, he got in, jumped, got into the Navy and from there we went to, um, uh, Japan. He was stationed in Japan at Yokosuka. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, so I actually lived in Japan more than I did in the Philippines. Um, till I was about five, six years old. Okay. <clears throat> From there, we moved into, uh, went to the U.S. and I've lived in the, in San Diego ever since. And um, and I'm grateful that um, we got here because uh, I think a lot of the things in my life are, are would have definitely been different if I was still in the Philippines. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, man. So super about, grateful. So about six years old, you came to the, the U.S. Yep. Okay. So yeah. what what was your uh, early life like? Early life, uh, in school kind of thing, like early uh, in school like, hobbies, element. things that you were into. Yeah, so <laughs> I always did art. Um, I never really said this story, but I'll say one of the reasons why I think not only uh, did I like art, but one of the reasons why I ended up doing it was I, I kind of grew up. I don't want to say I don't want to disrespect people that lived in a rough, rough neighborhood, but I, I kind of had it a little rough. We mm-hmm. were in, uh, down here in San Diego, Paradise Hills, East Side, and um, I got into fights all the time. Like mm-hmm. I had to defend myself a lot, um, and I grew up in a rec center basically. While my parents had to work, my dad was out stationed, you know, somewhere, uh, Westpac, whatever. And my mom had to hustle, mm-hmm. and so I was stuck in a rec center till like six or seven p.m. every day as a kid, mm-hmm. and I had to, I had to. Just, <laughs> Man, we just a lot of, a lot of dealing with a lot of things. Even when I was young, one thing that would stop everything was when I would sit down and draw. Mm-hmm. All the guys and kids and whatever would watch, and and nobody be fighting, no one be picking on me or messing with me or trying to fight me. Oh my god, man! Like all that stuff would just stop. And I don't know why I'm remembering that story right now with you asking me that question, but that was that was I think one of my one of my things or I maybe maybe not I'm just really thinking about this right as I talk to you right mm-hmm. now that I realize that there there is something about art that that makes a difference you know yeah and um and so I just remember bullying stop people would chill and watch me draw these incredibly big things and I would draw transformers and all this stuff so um yeah it's interesting I mean thinking about that right now I got to really look at that uh, and go how did that turn into my uh, you know adulthood but then from there um uh, I've always pursued art Loved art, uh, did pretty damn well in school actually, which is why my mom was like, "Don't be an artist, go be whatever you want to be." I was getting straight A's. Gotcha. Um, and um, but as soon, but I always knew art was going to be my thing. And one day I had this opportunity in high school. Someone um, drew on the board an opportunity to get into comic books by becoming a colorist, 
call this number. And I remember not wanting to call that number. Mm -hmm. And uh, my girlfriend at the time kind of pushed me to do it. And that's probably uh, the thing that if I never called that number, I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now talking to you. Um, called the number and I actually got the interview for that job. And I ended up getting the job at a company called InColor, mm -hmm. um, which is here in San Diego, actually on Sorrento Valley Road. Mm -hmm. Literally, we street raced right in front of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah, right in front of the right in front of that office that I first started coloring comic books in. And the coloring, yeah. when I say coloring, was digitally colored on computer. Um, and, uh, you know, they colored everything from like, you know, uh, all different brands of uh, DC. Uh, she's done everything for everyone um, in that studio. And uh, so was coloring from there. And I and I really realized I was like I'm going to go in this comic book industry, mm -hmm. like for sure. And I ended up uh, meeting somebody there that became my comic book mentor named Nia Lam who invited me to a studio in downtown San Diego on Fifth Avenue in the middle of the gas lamp quarter, uh, back when it was crappy mm -hmm. and uh, artists could afford to <laughs> have a studio there um, before the clubs and all that stuff. Gotcha. Uh, <clears throat> and um, he said, hey, basically he took me under his wing and I learned a lot about art through him and he was working for comic book companies like Dark Horse and whatnot. Um, an amazing, incredible artist. Uh, from there, I was just hustling 24-7, uh, being a starving artist, yeah. trying to make any kind of money I could with my pencil um, and the computer doing coloring. Um, and one day, I remember we di I did a project with him. We did, <laughs> do you remember Pogs? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so Upper Deck was a San Diego company, and they're, uh, they're a huge um, trading card company. Okay. They, needed, they wanted to get in the Pogs game, so they hired us to do it. And me and Nia did that job. And if I remember correctly, we did it. And it was a, like a $10,000, $12,000 job for me and Nia. And we were teenagers. Um, and somehow we got it. You were still in high school <laughs> at this time? Got, uh, around, yes, around that time. Okay. Don't make me think too hard. Okay. But yeah, I was young. I was young. Um, and we got that job and we had to finish it. The caveat was we had to finish that job in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. We had to do like, I think it was like 70 to a hundred pog designs of Ooh. these characters they wanted us to do. And so when we did that, but we did it, I remember staying up 72 hours straight just to get some of this work done. And I learned my work ethic with Nia. Nia's like, you get it done no matter what. And, um, and we did it, but we made that money in two weeks. And when I saw that, and back then that was a lot of money. That's in the nineties. Right? Yeah. Early, yeah. It, as, and I was like, I was like, mom, <laughs> I could either work for four bucks an hour, which was my original job, four dollars an hour, <laughs> or I could make ten thousand dollars in like two weeks. <laughs> it's I don't know, it's kind of a no-brainer to me doing what I love. Yeah. Doing what I love. I said, I'm gonna pursue this whether it's whether it's like uh, you know, what, what do they say, uh, uh, secure or not. Yeah. Like, I think this is what's important. And um, that was when it changed my life. I was like, dude, you can actually make money doing this, you just gotta know what you're doing. Um, and no, I, I struggled lot for a long time still. Um, and then uh, from there. I started to work and do, uh, I also did, you probably know this brand when I tell you, but I was one of the original colorists, uh, uh, um, designers for t-shirts for a company called ODM, Olay's Design and Marketing. And I was doing a lot of what? Lowriders. Really? So I was one of the a very original artists. If you've ever had a shirt from Rolling Hard or Rolling Deep that was originally sold in Miller's Outpost and Anchor Blue, it was probably <laughs> one of mine. No way! So, 
Yeah, I was doing a lot of those before I ever did tuning, uh, the, the the tuner shirts for yeah. the, my own brand, Auto Cannon. So that was me. So I was I had this talent. There was very few people in the United States that was doing this airbrushed look. It's so common now, but there, back then it was super hard. The computers were super slow, and it was very difficult to do those uh, kinds of designs, much less print them. The technology for printing wasn't wasn't there back then to print like these elaborate, beautiful yeah, designs. Yeah, yeah. So these shirts sold like crazy. And, um, uh, you know, and that culture, obviously, that, that lowrider culture was huge. Yeah. And that little company went from like nothing to like $15 million overnight. And it was in a, it was like a literally, it was like a 12 by 15 foot room is what that company was in. And then it just exploded and it became eventually a $100 million company one day. Um, but I was like, dude, I want to do my own, you know, my own company one day. Um, I'm not really into the lowrider scene. I appreciate it. Um, it's crazy builds. I'm, you want to talk about crazy builds? It was you guys, yeah, <laughs> those guys started it. <laughs> definitely. Uh, but uh, but uh, I was like, I want to do something for tuna culture. No, no one was doing anything. And so when I launched uh, my very first brand, I think it was it. That was that was a very. I actually started, um, and I and I and I only said this I think publicly once, but I actually started the brand called Zoom Z U M Zoom Speed. Okay. And so I started out Zoom with a partner. I worked like a year and a half without getting paid anything. Um, and then uh, doing these t-shirts, but I believed in it. I said, we got to do cult tuner culture shirts, you know, and um, did it. And as soon as we started making money, um, I got kind of basically kicked out of the company. <clears throat> oh, wow. My own brand. Yeah, I had it. And I didn't sue him. I didn't pursue that. It was one of the hardest times of my life. Um, we had a spat, basically. And he just, and when I look back, I like, I could have done something. But, uh, but I didn't know anything legally. I was too young. I was in my teenage years, right? So I didn't know what I could do. I think I was 18 at the time. Yeah. 19. And so um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to eventually move on. And I, but luckily, you know, like I always say, some of the best things that happen to you are actually the worst things. At the, they seem like the worst things at the time. Because now I was able to start my own company called AutoCannon, which eventually led to AutoCannon and Max Boost and everything else that I've done. Um, which a lot of people don't know that I did. Like I also did the Last Race film. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen the Last Race movie, it's kind of a cult classic. Uh, we did that. So if I'd never had broken off from that partnership, I would have never had my own thing 100%, which was mine. And so um, yeah, I started that. Then that that I had to pull away from that. Did my own thing. Started Auto Cannon. That got big. That's got that's what happened and got me the the tension from like Turbo Magazine and everything and everyone else is oh my god Dennis is a great designer and artist yeah. Um, he should have a brain for helping us to create a new magazine. And then I, and then from there, that's when I pitched the concept for not only Importuner, but also um, uh, Max Boost. While I was doing, you know, and, and that was the very beginning of T-shirts mm -hmm. and very beginning of Max Boost um, when everything was uh, kind of a crapshoot, had no idea. And I wasn't going to get, and, and by the way, for everybody that doesn't know this, I did Max Boost for almost 10 years and I didn't get paid $1 for it. So I did it. 100% because of the passion and the fans and the people in the industry uh, and wanting and being committed to growing the industry because Max Boost can go places that original traditional marketing for our, our industry could not go. And yeah. at the time, yeah, pe people might not get caught, you know, uh, it's kind of like movies. Movies, comic books, entertainment go places and help us grow our industry for the benefit of everyone. That was my commitment. And so not only did I do that comic, I also did the Last Race film right at the beginning of when Fast and the Furious 1 was released. Uh -huh. um, and then if it's kind of tie into Fast and the Furious since I mentioned it. You can actually see Max Boost uh, stickers and stuff in, Ma in Fast and the Furious 1, as well as the Auto Cannon apparel 
in Fast and the Furious one all over the place. If you look, we also have an autocannon car in it. Uh, there's a scene where you actually see the full side of one of our eclipses. Uh, it's a yellow eclipse that has a full autocannon uh, livery down the side um, for a split second on the, on the movie, but it does take up pretty much the whole movie screen. It was really cool. Very cool. Um, so you'll see us there. Yeah. And so, um, and I could keep going unless you want me to stop. Uh, tell you kind of how we grew. And then you're going to see the story of how we grew and then how we disappeared. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a pause right here. Um, when did you yeah. realize uh, that you had a passion for cars? And when did um, when did that start growing? <laughs> so the car thing's crazy. Um, I my my I don't want to say I'm, I'm saying mentioning my dad, but my dad wasn't a traditional car guy. He worked on his cars because it's too cheap to bring them to the dealers yeah. to get them fixed. Okay, Filipino mentality style. We like to fix our own stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And learn our own stuff and do our own thing. So he did that. I never touched or really wrenched with him or anything like that, but he always had a car in the garage working on something. I remember he had a first-gen Prelude, which was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he had a Fiat Spider and all these things, but I wasn't really into cars yet. I, I really honestly did not care about cars at all. I thought A to B was all, it you know, was fine. Yeah. Was, that's, that's all it was. One day, that changed my life. <clears throat> we grew up in, in the very first issue of uh, Max Boost Volume 1, very first panel is a white Celica 1981 GT. That was our very first car we got when we were when we came here to the United States from the Philippines. So I immortalized that car because it's handed down to me. Barely did 70 miles per hour. It was a clunker. Yeah. But I had to immortalize it in the comic book. And so that was my actual car in high school, embarrassing that whole thing. And so I wanted to get the newer version of it. Mm -hmm. um, it lasted like 400,000 miles or something like that. Wow. And I want to get the new version of it. Yeah, it was crazy. We never opened the motor. Yeah. It was, I remember that part. Yeah. Um, but my dad maintained the cars really, really well. He was really good at that. So, um, and, um, and so I remember I was like, when I get older, when I was in, in later on in my teenage years, I was like, I'm going to go to the, uh, I'm going to get a Toyota Celica GT. The new one with the bug eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted a bug eyed GT. Knew nothing about cars. Not, yeah. not in the way that we know car, about cars now. So on the way walking over to the Toyota dealership, I had to pass by an Acura dealership. And when I was passing by this Acura dealership, this slick salesperson named Brian, mm -hmm. the hair and everything. He looks like Todd, I yeah. swear, in the, in the combo. Blonde, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Comes over in the suit. He's like, hey, where are you going? Kind of thing. <laughs> I'm like, we're, we're going to the, I, like, I told him straight up, we're going to, I'm like, not interested. I'm going to the Toyota dealership to get a Celica GT. He's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. He totally clowned the GT. He's like, dude, that thing is not, that's, that thing sucks. Come over here. Come tech, check out the new Integra. I'm like, I knew nothing about the Integra. Wasn't really interested, but he was bugging us so much. I actually did. Yeah. And it was a white, I'll never forget, white Integra RS. Um, and it, it was only 13,900 at the time. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but the thing that changed my life with him, there's another life-changing moment. I never drew, drove cars fast, never cared to drive cars fast back in the day. But when, um, this was, I think, 1993, okay. just so everybody has a perspective, when they first came out with the 94 Integras, right? So 90, late 93, maybe early 94. Um, he brings me in the car, or we're sitting in the car, me and my dad. And my dad's never driven fast either. So I, I don't, I didn't understand like how to drive a car fast. Never tried to. He comes around. He immediately belts this thing, red lines it. I've never seen the red line ever in my life on, in my Celica, right? <laughs> it would have probably yeah. exploded. <laughs> He's hauling ass through National City. This is at the Mile of Cars. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people know that place. 
Uh, and he's just ripping it down the freeway. He's keeping it at 7,600 RPM or whatever it was, whatever the red line was at the yeah. time. And he's just letting it there. He goes, I can leave it here all day long and this thing's not going to break. It's, you know, he's just, the performance blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, what? And then not only that, he let me drive it like that. And I was like, are you serious? Because my dad would never let me drive or want me to drive a car that way. I was never, and uh, and you know, he's all about conservation of the car, right? So yeah. he drove it to its limit. He let me drive it. That was it. Broke me. I was like, oh my God, cars are sick, right? What was your dad saying even, at the time? I, my dad? While this, guy's, while this guy's just driving redlining uh, it. He was, I think he was, uh, you know, I don't really remember, but I, he, he never said anything. He was fine about it. Um, I think he was more concerned I was going to want the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not like I could afford it at the time. He, he actually just, we were just going out to go look, just to, just to appease me a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever, I don't remember if I ever made it back to the Toyota dealer. So now I was just dreaming of this Integra. I didn't know anything about tuning. I didn't know anything about street racing at the time. I was just dreaming about this Integra as an awesome car, period. Mm -hmm. And I was doing more research on it. I got the catalogs. I'm like, oh my God, there's a GSR, you know? And I couldn't afford that time. He wouldn't buy it for me. So that was kind of the end of the story there. But luckily, right around the corner, I ended up getting my first like corporate corporate art design job and I was an assistant art director for Jostens Learning Corporation. Jostens Learning Corporation is the guys who did the class rings and all that kind of stuff. But what I did was doing uh, children's uh, children's software, okay. educational software. And I was making money <laughs> doing that. More money than I should be making at my age and still living at my mom's house, right? And um, so with that extra money, what do you do? Buy a car. Hell Buy a yeah. car. <laughs> but, and guess where I went? I went back to Brian and I bought a GSR. Uh, the part of the story I don't usually tell people is that I bought a four-door uh, GSR green with tan interior first. Hmm. And the part I don't talk about that is two months into a brand new car, I crashed it on Carroll Canyon Roll Road and ro rolled it right no here. No way, dude. Literally at the place that's at the end of our drag strip for the street races, just a little bit up the hill. Everybody should know this that knows where this is. A little bit up the hill where it kind of turns right, turns left, and turns right again. It's at that second right. That's where I ate it. Uh, rolled over up the embankment, and uh, that was a crazy experience. Uh, I luckily I wasn't hurt. I was about this far from dying because a, a, a like a a big tree trunk kind of went through my back seat. Yeah. Um, and I climbed out of the car super fast, by the way. And I was in a suit, um, uh, going to a job interview <laughs> for a different for a freelance art job. And um, and so when I got out, people thought. I couldn't have possibly been the one in the car because I looked too nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I remember how well the seat belts worked. And then two, I remember the visual of it looking like an aquarium being under un, upside down in bushes and everything. And um, yeah, I just put the new license plate on it. Um, so then the good news, bad news on that, right? The bad thing that happened turned into the good thing. Yeah. I ended up getting a coupe, the GSR, the black hatchback that eventually became the car that was in Turbo Magazine. And I'm so glad I had that car instead. <laughs> so, you know, and that black car is the one that led me into street racing uh, and the tuna culture and all of that. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that's uh, uh, so I think that's what you asked, right? <laughs> where, where am I going? I forgot. Lost my train of thought. We're uh, we're all over the place, man. But you've mentioned uh, uh, it a couple of times that bad situations turn into good ones. Do you always feel like that ends up happening with you? Or is it just the way that but, you look at things? 
Well, I just think it, I think it, I think if you look at a lot of things, right? Like, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, you can probably look into your own life, and if you just go back, sometimes the things that didn't pan out were the best things that that happened because otherwise these other things would have never happened. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, just you just just look. Like it's just the way that a lot of things are. And at the time when you're, you know, um, and I guess it's a little bit more self motivational, but it's like you never know what's planned for you. Yeah. And why things have to kind of go a certain way. Um, and there's a lot of times that has happened. Definitely in my life, that's the way I see it. And, uh, um, you know, and uh, I kind of like that better than you just got screwed. <laughs> I <laughs> you feel know? you. Do you think, do you feel like things are uh, planned out and you're um, living out your destiny? It, you know, that's a great question. I think about stuff like that a lot, actually. Um, uh, I think, you, you know, I, I don't know. There's a part where I go, things are, I, I'm kind of on both sides, you know. I really believe, like, you kind of have um, uh, a, a future you're living into mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, waiting, waiting for you, you know. And then there's also this part where I also feel like you get to make some choices yeah. that make a difference to how you get to play that kind of that movie but it's yeah. the same movie you know so is it going to be an action adventure romantic comedy is it going to be a whatever but i really think that by the end of the day kind of like when you're dead the day you die you lived you lived your vision mm-hmm. <laughs> that literally was it like whatever you thought it was going to be is not what it is you came you did and that was all you got right there right so um, yeah, and and if I actually were able to answer that question one hundred percent, I think uh, I'd have the secret of life, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. But it, that's kind of the, my philosophy. How I see it is, um, you know, I I take actions that I, me myself, know I should be doing, but I also believe that something there's something always bigger, and I can't necessarily put my finger on that. Um, uh, and it could be lots of things. It could be God, universe, whatever, however you want to say it. But I always feel that, there, that there's more. There's more than just 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 my thoughts and myself, and uh, um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but um, but uh, yeah, is there destiny? Not destiny? I don't know, but I but I do know uh, the choices we make make a difference, um, and how it goes is going to be the way it goes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it matters. I don't know if that 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 even is an answer. Have you noticed that um, intentions plays a, a big part? in uh yep. in in your decisions and how you accept the outcome of things when you say intention what do you how do you define intention meaning if you've come into something and you kind of have uh intentions of uh not so pure i don't want to make it seem like bad intentions uh, but you know there's sometimes a opportunity will pop up and then you kind of think like oh well this might not be the most honest thing to do but it could help me get to this point a little quicker or something like that rather, oh. rather than you know you having your uh you know how i feel is if i always have a good intention with things it makes me accept the outcome of certain issues or certain problems or whatever comes out of it um rather than having any regret man i could have done things differently if i would have handled this situation in a certain way or what have you Okay. Yeah, no, I, I kind of hear two different things uh, with, uh, with what you're saying. Um, number one, as far as regrets for what I could have done, because there's definitely things, I, if you ever look at anything, you can have always done them better, yeah. period, right? So kind of like um, uh, some of the speakers and motivational speakers say, is like you, you can never know how that would have played out, though, Yeah. right? 
you never know. You uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it's not actually accurate mm-hmm. because you have no idea if you did like make that call or if you did that extra thing you thought you should have done. That maybe maybe you would have made more money, but died like right after yeah. because of the plane trip. The plane trip you had to do because you were so successful that people needed to see you at a you know at a TV show in New York, mm-hmm. uh, you know something like that. So you never know. So so what I what I hear from what you're saying is yes, I, I think I think put all your heart and soul into what you do, you know. That's the place for me, like where I would say that I would regret less, is if if I knew that I did everything that I could, mm-hmm. you know. And when I when I say everything that I could, it doesn't mean everything you can possibly do, because that's sort of inhuman. Yeah, right? you're always going to have more ideas and ex- ability to execute, right? But it's more you know in your heart of hearts that you gave it everything, and if it didn't still didn't work out, awesome. You you know that to me, I can sleep at night knowing that. Uh, the other side of that coin is you know also very clearly when you self-sabotage yourself. Mm-hmm. You know you had an opportunity and you kind of became lazy, sat on Netflix, screwed someone over, did something else. Like yeah. You know that you shouldn't have done, okay, that's different. Like You know you could have done better. So if you just knew better then, then that, that, that's a different thing. But, but just because you have the, but the other side of it, coming back to the other side is just because I do everything that I, uh, the best that I know how doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna get that result. Doesn't necessarily say promise me that I'm gonna be on TV or be a millionaire or whatever. That, these aren't the things I want. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Just for other people, whatever that is, or get the car you want, or whatever, or win a race, yada yada. You just got to do the best. And so for me, I know when I know that I've got to this level that enough was enough. And and if I didn't get it, I didn't get it. And if I did, I did. Um, <clears throat> and then the other part where you're talking about intention, um, coming into something like. I, I believe uh, um, I'm just realizing that oh, this is getting a very motivational uh, part of <laughs> motivational speaking kind of thing. But um, what I the word that I would use is authenticity, mm-hmm. right? So always checking into authenticity is important. Like when you start to realize you're doing things for non-authentic reasons, when they don't feel right to you, um, or you think you're doing something, you, you like you. you you know, you were talking about doing something to somebody else to, to further yourself, but hurt someone else. You know, those things never work out. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just don't think they just ever work out. There's always ways to do it, and where, um, you know, uh, everyone can win. Like I believe that. Like everyone has their own path. Not everybody wants a BMW. You know, like you can do your thing, and and everyone else can have theirs. It's like that's the way that the world, you know, that I see in terms of the way the world works. So. Um, I don't think you have to be inauthentic to try to get what you need. Um, it's it's being true to yourself, uh, being true with what you want, being uh, you know, and being honest about that, and not doing things that um, uh, just being careful that you're not doing things that don't like really line up with you and your values, you know. Um, so whatever that may be. Um, so yes, I think coming into something authentic is really important. Um, if you don't love cars and you're trying to be about cars that's doesn't work yeah like people will see through that you know um if you're dishonest about you know where you're at like people feel it they see it it's you know sixth sense whatever yeah. um you know it doesn't help like you're trying to be someone you're not but basically at the end of the day trying to be someone you're not that's kind of what i was hearing through you and then coming through intentions on a project yeah i gotta I, even if i want to do a project well I got. I got to know what's real for me in this project. Yeah. Like, who am I in this? Am I? Do I, am I really doing this project for me, or am I doing it for the money? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a big one, right? And you're like, God, I need the money. But uh, at the end of the day, what about a project where you do it for you and there's money? Yeah. 
you know, and I think that 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 harmony right there is a blessing. And if you can work for that and you find that and you go for that, then cool. And um, to go back to that original thing where we were talking about good, bad things that turn good. There's a lot of people right now that have, you know, dreams about doing something different than the job they're stuck in right now. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that could possibly ever happen sometimes for some of these stories is they get fired or laid off. Yeah. And now, and now you got nothing. So what do you do with nothing? It's almost the best position ever because now you can pick anything you want. And now that you're down at the bottom, where you find a lot of the great fighters that come up is they hit bottom because they're like, you know what? Screw messing around. Screw being inauthentic anymore. I'm not going to do the job I don't love. I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to make it happen. And then with that, my version of the word intention, like that intentionality, that driven focus, that like commitment saying i'm gonna be this in the world i'm gonna be a comic book artist i'm gonna be the best at this or whatever because i i know i'm destined for it that's when you get a shot you know yeah so uh, so that uh so anyways yeah <laughs> i love it Hopefully dude. this is what you're asking no me. definitely i love it man and i love to tap into things like this and especially just like what you said people are going through uh hard times right now and uh maybe they did lose their job and what i really hope that people do is you know don't get down on themselves and actually look yeah. at it as a sort of positive look this this life that I was set up for, this what I was thinking it was going to be, I'm going into this career and this is where I'm going to end the rest of my life, There, um, it, it all got turned upside down and maybe those companies aren't around anymore, they got laid off. So it's kind of putting people in an uncomfortable situation to figure out like, man, that whole plan, the American dream, what I wanted to live, it just, it just turned upside down in the matter of a couple months. So maybe it'll motivate some people to do some things that they've always wanted to do, you know, create um, a T-shirt brand or do yep. a different career or something, you know? Yeah, 100 yeah. percent, man. So. Um, yeah. And uh, like I said, uh, lemons, lemonade. Yeah, we're definitely. About so uh, that, that that's a good transition right there. Lemons to lemonades, man. When did you realize that you were able to... Um, to turn lemons into lemonade, when did you realize your entrepreneur spirit and, and your hustle mentality? Oh, man. When did I realize that I had a hustle mentality? <laughs> um, I think going back to just pursuing my dream in the comic book industry, that was a big wake-up call. Because mm -hmm. it's like anybody that does anything like that, you know, you're going to get a lot of rejection. You're going to get a lot of no's. And only the guys survive that really 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 care like really want to get in it it's not for looky loose you know those yeah. kinds of things um and um and so and then with you know neil lamb teaching me like the ethic of work got you like do your work follow through with your word never be late be on time and make sure that whatever you promise you deliver right mm -hmm. just do that and um and you'll be and people will look at you really weird right <laughs> they'll, they'll be like oh my god you're so special just seriously you know, that's what I kind of tell. And um, I, I don't think you, you, um, you, you know this or most of the MaxBoost readers don't know this, but I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own other companies. Um, and I'm also an SBA Young Entrepreneur of the Year. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Current kind of crazy. And I don't want to go sideways over there. So I do speak at California International Business University. Um, uh, this is not my first rodeo. So when you're talking about how did I learn my hustle, I've been very entrepreneurial from the very beginning. Um, and just like Auto Cannon taught me a lot when I launched the t-shirt brand, uh, we were in literally almost all the major department stores. We were selling in car dealerships throughout the United States. Um, I'm in my early 20s, did my first million dollars in sales. Whoa. Uh, before, 
before the internet. Wow. Okay, so you th think about that for a second. That that's hard. That yeah, way way different than doing a million bucks today. Um, and uh, it was a crazy hustle. Sold, pff, I don't know how many T-shirts is that? Doing millions. Um, you know, and uh, and it ended up becoming uh, uh, official licensee for Toyota, Honda, Mitsubishi, Mazda, Subaru, like all those companies dealing directly with Japan. I went from selling T-shirts in my um, in my dad's from my dad's van. Yeah. To having an multiple an office and a warehouse, two different locations, thousands of shirts, inventory, employees, the whole entire thing, and um, my and it was even really funny because my mom was like, no matter how big I got or how 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 great the company did, my mom was always like, you should have been a doctor, right? Ah. <laughs> Buddy, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. We all know that there's tons of places you can buy your car parts at, but when you really need help, who's in your corner? When you need parts for your Honda, you need to visit HeelToeAuto.com. Since 2002, Heeltoe has built a reputation for service and support. Let me repeat that, guys. Since 2002. It's 2020 right now. That's a long time of experience, man. These social media slingers and copycat web stores can't match Hilto's professionalism. Hilto even offers a complete OEM store for all your genuine parts needs. Whether it's for show, race, or just a badass daily, remember that HiltoAuto.com is in your corner. And guys, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check them out at Hilto Automotive. Please, please go to their page right now, add them, and comment that you heard them on Downtime with Downstar podcast. Next up is Downstar. Downstar is the premium leader in dress-up hardware and engine bay accessories. We have all the nuts and bolts for all your screwing and nutting needs. From engine kits, transmission kits, mount kits, clutch lines, brake kits, t-shirts, skateboards, hats lighters damn we got it all we we actually have too much guys so if you can please come over and buy some stuff at downstarring.com or check us out at instagram at downstar make sure you give us a follow now back to the show even the day even the day <laughs> i you get this dude even the day i hired my mom oh. my mom was working for me she's like <laughs> but you can't fix a heart huh <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 and and and, and no, no knock on doctors or anybody else doing jobs with you know whatever you want to do, but yeah, no. So that's when I knew, like, and so yes, I had, I've, I've had a hustle, and I've always. I love hustled. it. Um, it's really at the end of the day, it's just pursuing your passion and your dream, and not taking no for an answer. Yeah. You know, if you, like I just said, it really basic. If you're a person that takes no, not doesn't take no for an answer, you keep grinding no matter what. You follow through, and you don't flake on on anything, and you know, uh, and you come through all the time, you're going to look, you show up basically when you say you're going to show up, you're going to, you're, you're already in the 1%. Yeah. Like right there. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of have, Oh wait, my first hustle story. Yeah. Let's How do did it. I forget this. Okay. This was crazy. I didn't even know I was hustling at the time. <laughs> oh my God. I, I always forget. So my first business that I did not realize was a business was, <laughs> this is going to sound totally funny. I got in the tropical fish when I was 11 years old. Okay. But I got in deeper than just an aquarium. What happened was I got in the tropical. When I get into stuff, I get in deep. Yeah. You can kind of tell. So um, I got in a fish. I'm like 10 years old, 11 years old. I started and then all of a sudden I started getting interested, researching books, the whole entire thing. I started re getting interested in breeding 
mm-hmm. African cichlids. These are fish, right? I don't, uh, and so they're mouth brooding cichlids, and I wanted to start breeding them. And someone at the pet store, his name's Monty Montalvo, I'll give him credit actually for having me start my first hustle ever, was he told me if I started breeding fish, he would buy them from me and then resell them. He was like a distributor. Okay. And I was like, okay. I was already doing because I loved it and it was fun and I learned a lot about nature and I was totally nerding out, right? Yeah. I ended up with 10, aqu- 10 aquariums in the house. And as an 11-year-old, I was making somewhere around 300 to 500 bucks a month. And, wow. And selling, selling baby fish. Like, <laughs> and wow. so that was actually my first hustle. But I never thought of it as a job ever or anything to like the income wasn't my priority. Yeah. Um, it was really just to, to learn, do something fun, and it was really cool to do. And so there you go. So that's kind of a uh, – I don't know how many times I've ever mentioned that. But that's really my wow. first thing. At so, 11 years old, 12 years old. So the reason why we're doing this through Skype is just because everything is going down right now. Um, this is going to be the yeah. Max Boost episode, but I definitely want to have you back <laughs> in here for an entrepreneur one <laughs> yeah. because I really want to dig into uh, your clothing brand. Man, that, that blows my mind. Oh, but, 100%. Um, that's, that's awesome, dude. Um, hopefully when all this stuff comes down, we could have you in the studio in person yeah that's my thing man that's the only thing about this corona thing i want to sit in that table that famous you know yeah. this famous room with that backdrop right everybody yeah. wants that you know i was supposed to be there my family's out in oxnard too which is cool so i can really to, you know visit them yeah my family's out there right now um and so i'll be able to visit them visit you but yeah i want i want i want to be like and everyone that's a somebody should want to get on front of that wall thank right you, there man i appreciate <laughs> it thank you so this is going to be the max yeah, no. boost episode but i definitely want to tap into the entrepreneurial episode on the next one man so yeah um, dude yeah for sure so before we get to when the comic book started um at what age did you realize that you had a talent in drawing i remember you said that uh you would use it as sort of a uh unbeknownst to you defense mechanism from bullies <laughs> But when did you realize that a pen to paper was like satisfying to you and you had skill in it? I think it was I've, I've always kind of loved it. And um, it always people always, you know, told me I was good at it. So I think I believed it. Gotcha. <laughs> and I still have some of my drawings. But in junior high, high school is when I started getting really serious. Um, and that's when I discovered um Again, back then, very early, long, long time ago in the 80s, yeah. as a kid, I discovered anime. Okay. Before anime wow. was in the United States. So that was a whole black market-y kind of thing, gray market thing also. Um, so around that time, I started drawing anime style. Uh, you know, um, Macross was my big, my big number one. So for some of the don't know anime, that was called Robotech in the United States. Okay. Um, so that, Gachaman, um, those kinds of things I grew up with uh, in Japan. Um, and I remember watching those as a kid. But that, that's kind of, that's the, the thing that I remember right now is I'm looking at my drawings. I'm going, when did I get serious? Was probably in, around, in and around junior high. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, and I still have those drawings, which is kind of crazy. You okay. Know? Uh, yeah. So uh, let, let's fast forward a little bit. You uh, you wreck the uh, the four door. <laughs> you get uh, you get a two door, the black one, correct? Yeah. So then yep. um, you get that car, and then when did you realize that there was an actual uh, culture of the these cars? Um, I'm you know it's funny. I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact way it happened, but I ended up eventually going to a tuner shop 
called Online Performance. That was the one big one. Okay. But a buddy of mine just wanted to get a light bulb, <laughs> like a white. I guess it was like a. It wasn't LED at the time. It was just a color blue or white light bulb. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? And it's. I think it was a Corolla. Okay, got it. This guy named Chris in a Corolla, not an eight six, a straight up Corolla, like yeah. <laughs> four door. <laughs> and um, and so I walk into the shop, and I'm like, which eventually became my shop, right? Uh, the shop that I uh, that I went to. Gotcha. And I'm like, what is going on in here? Yeah. Saw an exhaust. I saw some uh, uh, shocks on the wall and some springs. There's very little at the time and some intakes, mm-hmm. intakes. Um, and that's when I first realized something was going on. Uh, and then one of my buddies, John, told me to come up to go see the drag races in LA County Raceway. Gotcha. That, was, that was a big, like, whoa moment. Gotcha. Um, AEM was very new at the time. Wings West, like, yeah, it's crazy they even they, they survived this that whole you know that whole uh, since that that time, um, uh, and so uh, that and then um, lastly one of my buddies uh, one of my friends my neighbor neighbors actually was a street racer okay and he had an Integra LS with a big w- wing on it and he invited me out to come out one day and I remember sitting in his passenger seat going what the hell's about to happen I had no idea um, and we went to that famous ralph's on mira mesa boulevard okay and he parked right there and car the 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 the, um parking lot was full of all these hondas yeah and um and unfortunately uh it got broken up cops came out and all that but that was my first taste of it we actually didn't do any street racing or anything or i didn't see get to see it but that was my first taste um so that was the cult. That was the beginning of the culture so you just go to this meet and you're like wow that's my car but uh (laughs) fixed up yeah and i and, and i had the gsr so when i bought the gsr originally i did not realize i bought the rice rocket of all rice rockets at the time yeah right? <laughs> so i got i got another really good lucky streak if i got the gt celica i'm not sure i would have <laughs> yeah right we'll be having a different <laughs> yeah, conversation no So so that's that started your love for the culture that ended up uh turning into the um the clothing brand Yep. And then yeah. so I was doing the low rider shirts then and then I said we got to do tuner ones. Gotcha. And I was first uh, I was first and then there was also um got to give props out to Jerry over Jerry Sai over at iloveracing.com. Okay. Pacific Rim. Pacific yeah. Rim. So those were some he was OG as well. Got you, got you. So then all of this together got the attention of the the guys that were starting Import Tuner and they brought you in for uh consulting. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So, um, yeah, Turbo Magazine first with the GSR, mm-hmm. and then, and then, um, uh, yeah, which was originally tuned at Dynamic Autosport. So a lot of OGs know that place, Eddie. And then um, from there, yeah, Import Tuner. Got you. So when you um, when you proposed the idea to them about the Max Boost uh, comic series, how far of uh, idea did you have with it? Did you say maybe this is something that we could do every few episodes or issues? Excuse me, or um, did you already have it planned out? Like this can be something that can go on for years. Um, when I first came up with the idea, I, I definitely wanted it to go on because I thought it would be a great feature for the for Import Tuner magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it would work. So, uh, so yeah. But I, did I have a storyline? No, I only had two pages. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was literally it. I went to, um, and that story was, um, uh, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. Yeah. I did a 
a thing that's going to be in Max Boost Volume 2. Okay. Uh, uh, like on the Kickstarter, if you buy it right now, I'm going to actually print the original things I pitched that were rejected by yeah. Turbo Magazine. So there's another one. There's a bad turn good. Yeah. It wasn't Max Boost. Mm -hmm. It was a different comic-y looking thing. And they were like, uh. And when you see it, you'll laugh and go, that was kind of corny. Um, and I'm glad they said no, because if they said yes, there would have never been a Max Boost. Mm -hmm. So they said no to that, and I went back to the drawing board. Went, created Max Boost, and I dropped it off, the, the pages I drew, and I dropped it off to my friend Ray, Jason Rodriguez, who was a, a, he's a comic book inker at the time for uh, comic books. A really, really good one, one of the top in the industry. And he inked the first Max Boost pages, first two. Mm -hmm. I remember going to his house at Pacific Beach and walking out that door. It's a moment that I'll never forget with a finished page, loving his work. I was like, dude, they got to say yes to this. I still have the original pages, which I'm printing in volume two Whoa. Um, in the original black and white. And so you'll see what it looks like and you'll be able to compare the colored versus the uncolored versions um, in that book. And then walking out the doorway, feeling the sun. On, I, like, I remember the moment and, uh, and, and I, I guess I remember the moment because it was going to be a life changing moment. And at that, I was walking out the door to drive up to Huntington Beach to go show import tuner the pitch and so um uh um yeah that was uh that was crazy and uh, that's all i had i only had those two pages um and they loved it right away and that was it so was max boost on the uh, first issue of import yes. tuner max boost is definitely yeah it was on the first issue all the way through um uh the first uh eight years basically almost a decade so when you finally got that locked in what was that feeling like Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I think uh, it, it was just it was just fun. Back then, the industry was like so new. Mm -hmm. And so anything, you know, I, I just wanted to do things to, to help support the industry and do something never, no one's ever done before. So our clothing and our comic book was definitely different. And so it's just again, it was just like, it's one of those things where it was more play than anything. Yeah. And we we're having a great time making a difference, car shows and all that. So yeah, so it was it was definitely just just straight up passion. So say when the second and third issues came out, did you have an idea of where you wanted this story to go? Yeah, yeah. I, I started to have an idea, but I was kind of making it up on the way, gotcha. to be honest. You know, and uh, I kind of work good on the fly. Mm -hmm. So um, and uh, but yeah, when you said, you know, something you made me think about when you said second, third, fourth issue, um, that famous second issue of, of a lot of people that know Importuner with Francine D on it um, and that, that blue EK, uh, feels EK. Um, oh my God, name slipping my mind right now. But that, that issue, I just remember like about third issue or so, fourth mm -hmm. issue, I started to realize, wait a second, people are starting to like Max Boost. Mm. Like, started to get fans. Um, and that was pretty cool. How did you realize so, that? Just being at a, a show, being around. Um, uh, just uh just just going to meets like people would talk about it um and i tried to hide myself from it i didn't you know back then like if uh, I, I didn't put myself in the magazine or my face or anything like that i didn't get popular like a lot of the other guys i really tried to stay away i'm more introverted than most people think <laughs> and, I, and i don't want the fame yeah um but i love the fact that so many people were talking about max boost and then also we were also getting a lot of fan mail um legit like actual in in an envelope like sent with a stamp no way crazy dude i've still got that stuff uh in in um we saved it all and you'll see some of it it's insane like what people used to say and even just the other day like i just the other day now in social we get 
fan mail in, in messages and people yeah. telling us they're happy that Max Boost is back and the difference it made to them back in the day in the industry when we first came out and how Max Boost was for some people like the reason they got into cars when they were younger. So just give you an, a kind of an example, like a lot of the a lot of guys that were into tuning had younger brothers yeah. that couldn't do what their brothers were doing because they don't have a driver's license, obviously, but they were able to pick up the magazine. Mm -hmm. so the magazines were really cool. So the kids were able to enjoy that. And then Max Boost, they were able to read. And so even though they were young, they were able to read Max Boost and they loved it. And and the older and obviously the older older cats did too. Um, and but um, we'd see people like that that just come back and go, man, like you were the reason I got into cars or whatnot. And I'm like, not me. It's Max Boost, right? Like I was at the Honda. If you knew this, but I was sketching live uh, for a couple of two days at the Honda booth at SEMA. That was a huge honor to be yeah, that was, um, uh, the Honda, Honda booth. Pro Jason was actually talking about that on one of the last episodes that we did with him. Yeah, so that's where I met actually. Actually, mm -hmm. met Honda Pro Jason, but that was so sick, dude. Um, and I'm 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 in the in the background working on Honda with Honda directly with some other projects Very um, cool. and some things that are going on. Um, but uh, yeah, just being there. Some some guys come up to me from San Francisco. They're like, "Yo." You're Dennis from Max Boost. I got to shake your hand. Why? It's good because because of you, I got into cars. I got into cars, and then now we have our own tuning shop in San Francisco. And I'm like, dude, that's like that makes my day. That kind of thing, you know. Um, and so one of the big ones is uh, I, I actually one of my earlier fans that that I ended up meeting once I came back on Instagram a few years, you know, a couple years ago, was actually uh, Nick Hogan, Hulk Hogan's son. Oh, we really? He's like, I'm like, bro, would you like to meet? And I was like, let's meet. So I, I, we actually met up together and he just like just went into like how deep he loved Max Boost and Auto Cannon. Yeah. And I really appreciated him for that. And um, I actually haven't stayed in touch with him. I need to reach out. But yeah, he's um, still on Instagram, has, man. You should hit him up. He's, he's a good dude, man. Shout out to Nick Hogan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I um, and he has a photo of him in an Auto Cannon shirt with his dad, Hulk Hogan. Right. And the Supra. Um, and he's just like he was so blown away. Um, and I, I really uh, just appreciate meeting Nick. So just stuff like that. Those stories really make make my day. And as an artist, um, those are the kinds of things that I love to hear. That something that I do makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely, man. So yeah. as you're growing your career with Import Tuner, uh, Max Boost is growing. Um, are you still feeding your um, your import side, going to races and things like that? Oh yeah. Um, so that's when I said earlier, like I went through drag racing to autocrossing to. Yeah, and so started off with drag racing. I actually won my bracket at uh, uh, Battle of the Imports, which was kind of crazy. Um, that was really fun uh, to win. Um, Very cool. And then I just kind of had a knack for driving. So I uh, got into autocrossing, um, did pretty well there, and then uh, eventually um, got uh, – so I had enough success at AutoCannon to buy an NSX, right? And so I had my Integra GSR. I had a daily driver, Acura CL Type S. And can you see the theme here yeah. on this? <laughs> and I did everything that I could to get this NSX, and I got it. I had an NSX in my early 20s, back when it was crazy. Wow. Um, and more importantly, what I learned from that once I got the NSX was I ended up finding out that there's like a club, an NSX club, California. And they take their NSXs to racetracks. No, we weren't really doing that yet as to tuner culture. Not, not so much. There's like some OGs, but... Very little people are taking track cars out to the track like they do today. Um, and so I was like, what? You could drive on a... I had no idea you could drive on a racetrack. All you need is a helmet and a car. 
And um, I was, a, you know, here I am thinking I'm the king of street racers. Yeah. I had no idea you could actually do real racing. And so went out to a real racetrack, found out I sucked. Yeah. Driving, thinking I was awesome. <laughs> I got my ass handed to me, my Civ uh, a Civic, an RSX, and every other car you could possibly think of. And that was another groundbreaking moment. I remember standing there at the middle of um, a Pahrump, uh, Nevada, Spring mm. Mountain Raceway. I was with Dolly Racing, and I just, I just remember going, I can't believe I'm that slow. <laughs> yeah. Here I am on the street racing side, just smashing it, drag racing and everything. And I come out to the track. And I remember that moment where my ego was getting checked. Mm. I was like, I either can go back to my street racing days, street racing and be a big, big, you know, big fish in a small pond there, or I can humble up, eat some humble pie and like learn how to actually drive. Mm. And, and uh, trust me, I was embarrassed in that. I was in yeah. an NSX, right? And so that was, and I made the decision to learn how to drive. And then, which led to everything else. And then I started to drive. My first instructor was from Driving Concepts International, David Misi. He was a, a Playboy photographer for 25 years and a, and a driving instructor. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of awesome. You Check him out on Instagram, by the way. He has a pretty cool Instagram. <laughs> oh, you got to send that um, to me. All, all his work. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah uh, but uh but yeah, from there, I realized I didn't know how to drive and I learned. And so fast forward through all of that, went back autocrossing again after driving on the track. Did th I had a, um, uh, my dad had a Porsche Boxster S and um, I took that car and I brought it to the uh, um, uh, autocrosses at the Porsche Club events, three events, three first places with a completely stock Boxster S. And um, I was like, never autocrossing again, basically went back to the track uh did wheel to, wheel to wheel racing honda challenge series and um 25 hours of thunder hill and the endless eg um that was a crazy crazy race um won some stuff pretty cool and um i i love wheel to wheel racing so that's the real legit stuff gotcha. like I, I try to get people to get out to that um it's mind-blowing changes your life yeah. uh, and so yeah race the honda challenge series uh in a class in h1 class where you could actually modify the motors um I didn't modify mines at all. It was straight from uh, a straight up B18C5, no mods, just an intake exhaust header. Everyone else had freaking valves, cams, blah 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 blah, and we ended up second in the championship. Wow! About thirty wheel horsepower down, uh, everyone else, um, and then also rookie of the year. So, uh, and that was kind of the the beginning of the whole track, gotcha, track thing. Gotcha, and now it's gotcha. like all track, like track, track, track. I love Got driving. You. So. Now, one uh, one thing that you did bring up was uh, your ego check. Um, oh yeah. Now, when you realized that and went through that, did you notice that that played a, a, a beneficial part in other aspects of your life, uh, being able to keep your ego on check? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's pretty obvious, right? Like when we talk about ego, is in a bad way. It's just the thing that keeps us from um, trying to keep. It's it. it it's basically you just try to protect your reputation, right? Yeah. Try to protect yourself or you try to protect what you think you believe about everything and you're not willing to look and, you know, outside and probably realize there's a better way or, a, or, or something else waiting for you on the other side, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm in business, so uh, I fail a lot, right? Yeah. Now, you, you, you got your own business, so you understand. It's not all peaches and cream every month and you don't get to, you don't have to steady anything. Like, yeah. Everyone's learning that this right now in the middle of all this mm -hmm. Corona stuff. What you believed is not. So 
the for me when i think about like i had to check my egos because i wanted everything to kind of stay there like stay yeah. right there i wanted to believe this about me and i didn't want anything to challenge that but you know what man you start to get to the place where you start to realize the successful people in life check it at the door yeah you know check your ego at the door and they're willing to learn willing to do something different willing to go you know what? i don't got it all figured out because the moment you think yeah. you got it figured out you don't yeah no yeah. definitely that's it's definitely a tough lesson to learn but a very beneficial one to learn as well yeah about sorry if i sound i don't know if i sound preachy or not i'm just <laughs> i just Dude, love talking about i love it all man yeah i love yeah. it um yeah it gets like that sometimes you know when you're yeah. passionate about something it shows and some to some people it'll come off as preachy but yeah they just haven't been down that journey of their life to be able to understand the things that you're talking about, you know, especially with the, the whole ego stuff. You know, I've, I've went through that with myself, you know, I, I pictured myself in a certain light and I thought that everybody else looked at me in that light. But when you get that ego check, that makes you reevaluate things. But when you do reevaluate things, it, it makes, it makes, uh, growing a lot easier because you're not worried about that persona that you had or that ego or what is this person going to say about it and uh, a lot of the stuff that i like to do now is i like to highlight my failures and where i came yep. up short rather than my my victories that i've had because that's that's what's long lasting you know when you come mm -hmm. out with something you come out with a um a, you know max boost the number five right once that's done you're on to number six and number seven because those are already a victory but you know mm -hmm. when max boost 17 came out and there was you know a, a mix-up something spelled wrong or something something was wrong that sits with you you know yeah no yeah which is great yeah exactly what you're saying i definitely have some failures and we're going to talk about those because we're going to get to that arc where it goes where did i how did i disappear like yeah you know what what happened right but yeah no absolutely your failures are the things that people really relate to i mean i'm not I'm, i hope i'm not sitting here you know nor nor i think you too i mean they know we're, and we're not trying to sit here and say we're the best of anything like I, i'm really here to just hopefully uh and i appreciate being here bottom line and anyone that's still listening uh that um i really if i can do make a difference to anybody that has them my, my passion is that you pursue yours yeah so like i love that so if I have to look funny, silly, whatever, so that you get your dream, cool. That's what it is. Yeah. And if you can learn from whatever I've learned, whatever I've learned from my mistakes, great. And I'm totally open about that. I agree with that 100%, man. So the reason yeah. that I asked you about um, you going out racing and things like that, did that ever bleed into Max Boost? I know that you said you had Ed Bergenholtz and Papa Doc is uh, featured oh, in yeah. here. Um, were some of the storylines parallel with what was going on with reality? <laughs> yeah, man. Like... I think one of the things that's kind of funny in Max Boost is, um, well, uh, I did get in trouble a lot, right? <laughs> so, man, I was part of Ground Zero Racing, Street Racing Crew. Um, just saying that alone for anybody who knows GZR knows that there's trouble yeah. already. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, there's things I probably will never say ever, I think, honestly. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I'm just glad I came out alive and everything's good. Uh, did some really stupid stuff. Um, but um but yeah man i um <laughs> inside the comic there are definitely some things that i make fun of that uh, are reflections of things that i had to go through and some of it i guess i'll say it is just the stuff to, with the cops right gotcha, so gotcha, there is a cop gotcha. in there he's a 
he's running around Motorville and um, and uh, harassing basically Max and you know and all of that. And so a lot of that stuff is very you know uh, is 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 what do you call that? Is inspired. Yeah, got it, got it, <laughs> got it. Here's the other thing I got to say too is uh, I'm actually changing the comic because I actually made the cop. Um, by suggestion from one of my friends that I didn't realize could be such a political statement, he's actually a pig character, like mm. a literal pig. Mm. In Max Boost, it's kind of more fantastical world. So there's like a praying mantis that that, ta- you know, that, that, that is on the shoulder of Papa Wheelie. Gorilla, there's a gorilla, his name is Wrench. He actually works on cars. Yeah. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's kind of that. And then the pig, the cop was actually a pig. Mm-hmm. I had no idea when I first created that what that actually meant meant, you know, um, I thought it was just kind of fun, funny. Um, and now if I were to do it today, of course, I don't think I would <laughs> cross that line. But back then, no hate mail. No one told me anything. Everyone yeah. thought it was funny. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, like, when I picked up the magazine, a comic again to read it after so many years, I've been gone. I went, oh, whoa, I wonder how people would think about this now. And I still haven't got any hate mail or anybody thinking it was inappropriate, but um, I do want to actually change it, which I think is interesting. I mean, I, I but I, I will say, like, going back, what's funny is a guy named Phil, he said, you should make the cop a pig. Mm-hmm. Long story short, he was a part of my Ground Zero racing crew. He ends up becoming a CHP. Oh, shit. <laughs> motorcycle cop. <laughs> and I saw him about three months ago and I go, dude, is this still okay? He's all, bro, that's funny. And all my, all, all, all his co-officers or, or, you know, his friends would, would totally laugh at that. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm like thinking I should take it out. But I also like, there's something also that's kind of like uh, endearing about it. Definitely. You know? But uh, th- it's a touchy thing. And so with volume one and volume two, that, that those printings may be the last time I'm ever printing them with a cop in that form. Gotcha. So I may actually change it with reprintings later. If you look in the Instagram, I believe I've already started changing Gotcha, taking away gotcha, from being gotcha. like taking the nose nose off so anyways so those interactions with that pig cop guy yeah as some similarities to a lot of things that i got pulled over for got so. you yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that went down in the early 2000s late 90s is it wouldn't go down to to this day but you know, that's some of the the nostalgia about reading something from that time is it takes you back into yeah. those times where things were less political and you kind of didn't have to worry about what you would say, you know? And yeah. and two, there's there's two ways of looking at things as well, you know? It's it's very good progression of the way that we've changed things because, you know, p- most police officers aren't like the pig character you know they're no. just and most of them that i've ever met that they're just regular guys and this is what their their job is and this is what they do and how i look at it is look their job is to catch me and my job is to not get caught so if i get <laughs> caught it's my fault they're doing their job better than i'm doing my job you know but i don't think you'll get any hate mail or anything like that especially not in our demographic yeah, and if anybody's listening right now, just like nothing in Max Boost is meant to be insulting. It's yeah, comedy, no, I don't action think... comedy is that would be the genre. Um, and yeah, so I don't think anybody's going to take it like that, especially <laughs> not from this podcast, man. Podcasting yeah, and and comedy is kind of like the the last frontier that we really do have with with free speech. You know, after this, it's I don't know what else there is, man. I know, bro. I mean, yeah. that's a whole nother. You could talk an hour about that's, that. That's that's our third podcast. <laughs> 
But yeah, there you go. for sure, <laughs> so, dude. So, um, working at Import Tuner, doing Max Boost, everything's going good. Going to the shows, you're getting a good response from it. Yeah. When did you start to notice that things weren't what you thought they were? When When did the tide start changing? When did I blow up essentially and yeah. uh, disappear? Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna. So this is the story for Max Boost, and a lot of people that are maybe uh, have not. Uh, this will be a new story for a lot of people, right? So a lot of people never knew what happened to Ma Max Boost. Well, Max Boost was blowing up. We were doing amazing. And my, my goal for Max Boost was to become the speed racer of this generation. Our generation did not have a speed racer at the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, dude, this is such a great shot. We could do Max Boost. It could have the tuner culture kind of like roots in it. And I think it would be a really cool comic cartoon. And um, so, um, so... I was going in that direction and guess what oh my god man things were working out mm -hmm. we ended up landing a toy i got a really great agency working on the project um out in uh, out in la and then we ended up landing a major toy deal with playmates toys the in original teenage ninja, ninja turtle company nice. and they're huge it was huge they even came out to import fest toronto canada oh wow to look at, to look at the car show out there with me to go huh the president of the company came out and I hosted him there and Bassett Mirza is the guy who runs Import Fest and Max Boost and Import Fest were like this in mm -hmm. the first years. And so he was like, oh my God, it's amazing. We got the deal done. So now after you get a big deal like that done, the next thing that we needed to do was get other licensees on board. So we had a video game company ready to make the video game apparel, all this stuff. We're going to turn this thing into Mickey Mouse, right? Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that was left was a... Um, Saturday morning cartoon. Whoa. That's all, that's all we needed. That's it. We were showing the Max Boost toys, which are awesome, and I'm glad I still own some of those prototypes, at the Javits Center in New York in the New York Toy Fair. We did it for two seasons. To Target and Walmart wanted the toys, the biggest retailers at the time. So uh, toy retailers, they're like, all we need, Saturday morning cartoon, we'll put in an order. So, okay, so who do we go? We start hitting everybody up, and guess who responds? Warner Brothers. Whoa. Warner Brothers wanted was the most uh interested and i remember doing that interview uh the meeting so we had to have a pitch meeting so you do the pitch got to meet and the, we our pitch man and a lot of times you get it when you do a pitch to a network you don't want to be some guy that nobody knows dennis kako you need to have someone attached to the project mm -hmm. that they know or that they respect and that's why you know that that's how that industry works and so i had my agency but we needed one more person and that other person was a guy named reggie hudland mm -hmm. Reggie Hudland uh, is a guy who created Boondocks. Okay. He's the director of a lot of films. Um, uh, and he was the executive producer of Django Unchained. He okay. eventually became the president of BET Network. Whoa. He pitched Max Boost. No he pitched, way. He pitched Max Boost. And I was like, and I'll tell you a funny story. Was when, I, when I saw him come into the room, I'm in a suit, right? Yeah. Because the biggest pitch of my life. He walks in. He looked like he just came from the Bahamas. <laughs> he was wearing a white, like those linen, you know, shirts. He looked like he came off an airplane, dude, yeah. with with <laughs> with sandals and everything. I looked at my agent. I'm like, "You sure?" And he's like, "Dude, he's got it. Don't yeah. worry." Anyways, he did. He knocked it out of the park. Uh, basically, called an in-room buy. The next day, my agent calls me and goes, "They're in." I'm like, whoa. "Oh, whoa, whoa!" Now all the licensees are excited. We got all these big companies ready for Max Boost to launch. Uh, get this one deal done, right? 
And so went through all the contracts. My contract was amazing, dude. It was, I was freaking retired. Like I got, a, I got, was able to keep a lot of uh, rights and merchandising uh, um, percentages and all these things. Like the whole businessy side of it was handled. And so I was ready to go one week before that deal was signed. Two years in the making of this whole entire thing, hustle. Like it was everyday hustle for two years. One week before the deal got signed, the guy in the inside of Warner Brothers, John Hardman, got fired out of nowhere. Whoa. And with that, my deal was done. The lady that replaced her wanted to swipe the slate clean and start brand new, and I lost all of it. By the time I got to that point, I spent, honestly, about close to, well, um, close to $200,000 in cash to get to that point. I invested all my earnings, everything that I was making, all my profits into trying to get Max Boost to become a show. And it was oh gone like that. God. It was gone. And I was like, it's not as easy as go, go to another, uh, go to another. Um, we did. We went to another uh, network. We went to, I literally had a meeting with Cartoon Network in the Marriott in San Diego in the cafe. Like they came out to see me yeah. in a cafe. Like, and they're like, I don't get it. We don't get it. We don't, we didn't really get it. They didn't really understand it. Fast and the Furious wasn't even a thing yet. Mm -hmm. So it was like, like, we don't understand this car thing. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You sell so many car toys. It, Tuner car toys was a really big thing. Jade and all that stuff. We were ahead. We were ahead of that whole entire curve. And so, um, but we missed it. Um, and then we even went to Disney. And even Disney said, this is awesome, but we have something car related already. Oh, oh my God. Can you believe that? Can you imagine Whoa. what that was? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was at Disney, and before that, cars ever happened, they were telling me they were already had something car. That was that was a really kind of cool moment, actually. Um, so it died. So when that died, and I could not resurrect that, man, I was completely defeated, completely deflated, and just didn't want to draw an issue anymore. Like I lost it all. Like, and at the same time, um, you know, we were. Yeah, it was just, I, I think, I'm sorry, I just kind of went backwards and I just remembered how much that sucked. I remember the call, the call from my agent. He said, the call was like, hey, what's up, dude? Russell, his name is Russell. And he's like, Mac, Max is on life support. And we went from celebrating to life support in a matter of weeks. It was, oh, dude. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And he wasn't kidding. Uh, and, um, and we never recovered. And so... After that, I was like, I got to take a break. Importuner, I wasn't getting paid anyway, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, I'm going to take a month off. And I thought I was going to take maybe a month, maybe two. It ended up being 13 years. So uh, that's why 13 years later, here I am <laughs> on your show. Um, just launched Max Abuse Volume 1 last year on Kickstarter and sold over 1,000-something Max Boost books raised over in total like 80 something thousand dollars wow thank you to all of our backers um and now we're here with volume two on max boost and we've just in for one week raised close to 37 30 over thirty-seven thousand dollars in a week um and with these fans and these hardcore fans and all the people that are supporting me now now i'm not giving up no matter what yeah. until this happens and so our goal is the same to become a netflix show uh, to become that cartoon. Um, and I say it in a different way. This is my vision. I want one day to hear a knock at the door, right? So I open the door, 
and it's on Halloween. And it's, I open it. There's a kid in a Max Boost costume saying "Trick or Treat," and that's when I know we're gonna we made it. And so with me and all of our supporters and the fans of Max Boost, that is the goal we're all getting behind. Yeah. To try to make that happen. Wow, bro. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I could just envision that, man. That that would feel so good for you just to see <laughs> that happen. Yeah, and and hopefully that's in my destiny. Yeah. Um but even if uh, even if it doesn't quote unquote end up happening that way, the journey's what it's about, right? Yeah. You know, and so right now this journey being on your podcast getting volume two out there and meeting the fans in real life and online. It's like that, that's like the goal that's already, you know, you're already winning, you know? So before we dive into, um, volume two, I have to know what was that thing that triggered you to come back? Ah, good, good call. Two things. I have uh, a few things. One, it never, uh, my car's in my blood, so don't think like I disappeared from cars for like 13 years. No, it's just a thing. Like it's there, yeah. um, and I, I, you know, I observed it kind of, but from more from an outside, um, and and I have, well, one big thing was I have an eight a, a younger brother who's 18 years younger than me, mm-hmm. so he's in like more towards your generation of cars, and he started getting into cars. I didn't have anything to do with it. I could have almost been his dad, right? Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with it actually. But he did used to come out to my car shows back in the day when a little kid used to yeah, get out flyers. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. <laughs> he got in cars. He got into, oh my god, he got into um, uh, stance. Oh, okay. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Yeah. I just left. Uh, you know, I'm a pro, I'm a I'm a function guy, yeah. right? And I don't got a problem with whatever you love. But I was like, all right. So he got in stance. But one day, one day, he finally goes, I think I'm gonna build a function car, and I'm like. <laughs> all right now now i'm listening and so he he was he's got he had honda's lexus bmw for stance yeah and then um he ends up getting a civic si um uh fa fa5 mm-hmm. fb6 fb6 oh well we had both anyways so he's like i need to he goes can you can you take me to the track mm-hmm. that was it over done finito i'm like 100 percent Oh, man, I went back. I took him to the track. We went to a car show. So I saw a car show down here in San Diego. And I'm like, that's when I saw everything was like, whoa, what are kids doing today? Do you remember the show? Fact. Yeah, it, uh, I remember it was at the Green Light, a Green Light Brewery here in San Diego. I forgot the name of the show. Okay. It was one of the, it wasn't like an import show off or a gotcha, hot import gotcha. nights. It was, it was something, something else, smaller. But what I loved about it was there's a lot of young cats. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. We got a new generation, and my brother—I didn't know if he was an anomaly or yeah, if yeah, yeah. you know if it was happening. It was happening. I was like, awesome, right? And uh, saw the builds, but so that, and then the, he got me to the track. Once I hit the track, and I saw all my old friends again uh, that are st- were still racing, or even after the years that I I stopped um, doing that, it was over. I was done. I was like, okay. Um, and then with that, Mister GSX, uh, his name's Memo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was. He's OG Auto Cannon Max Boost. He's actually in the Fast and the Furious one. He's one of the Mexican gangsters in there. Okay. Um, he he's behind Vin Diesel in that famous you know first race between him and Paul Walker. Yeah. He's literally right there in an Auto Cannon T-shirt. So, oh, sick. Yeah, it's dope. So Memo also said, "Dude, we got to bring Max Boost back." So he helped me get the in- Instagram on, um, and he helped me um, you know get that uh, get that whole whole thing rolling. He inspired me uh, to go, and so he pushed me. And he was a very much a pivotal part of getting Max Boost uh, up. So 
um, yeah, so check him out, Mr. GSX. Uh, Mr. GSX. On, uh, yeah, on, uh, on uh, Instagram. But so him, and then the third part was, um, uh, I think, just being at the racetrack again, like I said, with my friends, Sam Rothschild, who was a part of my original crew. He let me drive his CR, uh, the championship winning CRX that uh, he had um, and uh, got in a race, race, a real race car again. And it was like, ah, and it was over. Just And then all my friends, all my family, like everybody's like, bring it back. But the biggest, I think, at the end of the day was the fact that fans were still there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, bring it back. On Instagram, you could see it like, oh, my God, I haven't seen this in years. And people were flipping out. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I was like, dude, I got to bring it back. And, it, you know, and I knew I quit before. And it was unfinished business. Yeah. Totally unfinished business. And now I'm so deep in it. It's like the flip opposite. <laughs> I'm I deeper in it, it than I've ever been now. You know. Now, since you've come back, have you uh, met a lot of new people that have uh, come up in the industry when you were away? Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big networker, so I kind of meet people just uh, – I, I really kind of stick to my OG crew, of gotcha. all the original guys from back in the you – know, you know, the OGs know – I don't know, you know, a lot of the guys, the OGs, you know, props like to like, you know, Eddie over at Titan 7, right? Yeah. Like, all those guys, all the guys at Gritty, yeah. Phil, Kenji. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just Mike Farrar from D Sport, day one, right? Um, and then uh, you know, uh, Mike Kojima, mm-hmm. Moto IQ. Those are those are those like those are Mike, the okay. crew and those guys I hung out with. I've met some new people, obviously, like you, uh, Honda Pro Jason, yeah. um, uh, the guys over, you know, here in San Diego, buddies over, like Mickey Andrade. Obviously. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, at yeah. Thro- he's at Throttle, but he's an OG. Um, you know, and then, uh, he used to, street, <laughs> we used to street race in the same places, um, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, so most of the, most of the people, uh, I, I'm not very, um, what do you say? You, I, I love meeting fans. Like yeah. I'm like when I'm signing at like the Falcon booth at Formula Drift, that's awesome. But again, Nick's OG, uh, uh, Rich Lange used to work for me. who's over at Falcon, like all these guys, there's a lot of OGs. So. But I have met some new, some of the new cats. Uh, but for the most part, I'm hanging out with the OGs. Not not saying I hope that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> no, dude, it's great to um, to see the OGs still in the community, yeah. still doing it. Such as like uh, Kenji um, from Grady. He's just he's building his car and he's still into it. You know, <laughs> these are guys that yeah. I look up to, and it yep. it shows me that they're still lame. That like, you know, I'm in my mid 30s now. And if you would have asked me when I first started Downstar, do you, what are you going to do when you get in your mid thirties? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, now my, I'm looking towards like guys like, like Kenji, you know, if they can yeah. do it and she, like yourself, you know, if you could still keep doing your, your hobby and what you love and making a career out of it, man, this is, this is where I want to be. And this is where I'm going to stay at. Yeah. Your truth, your passion, timeless. Yeah. It's always. definitely man so so when the this book here came out yeah volume (laughs) one uh you started a kickstarter for it so how did that uh how did that work out obviously uh the book's printed but did you expect the response that you were gonna get with it oh man i I wasn't sure dude because it was like honestly i like you know kickstarter for comic books generally you know, it ranges like how much you earn, raise is about two thousand to seven thousand bucks. Gotcha. That's not a lot of that's not a lot of money to do to try to print a big book like that. That thing's collectible with a sleeve, with a book cover, like all of that stuff, signed, autographed, numbered, 
sealed, right? Yeah. And I wanted to do it. If I was going to do it, I was going to do it good. And so, um, and I wasn't sure. So when we first launched, I felt like, oh man, I don't know if it's even going to hit like 10, 15 grand, like on that first day. But it didn't matter Mm because I was like, I'm going to make this live no matter what. And um, luckily, all the fans rallied and he started to reach more people. And we ended up hitting like $40,000 in the Kickstarter. Wow. And and that's great. Like yeah. that makes it happen, right? And so in 30, like a month, you get $40,000 in a month. I mean, you're, you're basically doing $1,000 plus a day. Yeah. That's, that's legit. That's great. And so, um, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't sure. And so when you put your butt out there like that, uh, <laughs> you don't know if it's going to get kicked or, you know, or yeah. what. And so luckily, luckily we were able to produce it. And man, when I saw those things getting printed um, and just sharing with the fans that yeah. moment of going, here's the book. It's crazy. Like, it's a real thing, man. I like, love I'm a, I'm, I love that. I'm a creator. I love creation. And I love anybody out there that wants to create their own thing, man. It's a beautiful thing when you come up with something and an idea and it actually is executed. And that's an addictive thing. I love it. And I was so grateful. It was a great moment to have a printed actual book. So I guess I could call myself an author for the first time. Hell um, yeah. On my own book. It's pretty dope. I love and so it. So they, they helped make that happen. And then, um, yeah, and then we ended up doing the Honda Pro Jason cover version of it. Uh, that was just a, just a shot in the dark, trusted my gut with it. And that was really fun to do. Yeah. Um, having an influencer on the cover and just... I, I just literally met him at SEMA. Yeah. And I just trusted my gut, God, whatever. And I was just like, hit up Jason and just just turn the turn the, the FK8 that's on the cover into a yellow one mm. and ask him if we can make it his car. Would he would he be down for that? And he said yes. And I was like, okay, let's try it. And it was successful. Absolutely. And that was great. And he's awesome. Uh, very, very, very cooperative and very cool, man. I appreciate him. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's just very grateful. He's full of a lot of great, uh, you know, um, appreciation and I, I appreciate that guy a lot um and so anyway so we did that and that was cool and it just kind of bumped up and overall at the end of the day the volume total volume once we sold is like over 80 something thousand dollars in volume one whoa um, congratulations yeah, man that's pretty, awesome no I, I appreciate you thank you and it's the fans you know it's thank you to them they've stepped up and then yeah. now we're in volume two it took us a month to raise 30 you know forty thousand the first time in our first week, we're at thirty-seven thousand. So we, you know, this it's again. It's just the fans stepping up. They're the ones that are making this happen. And I'm like working for them. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, it's like whatever they want. I'll, I'm willing to do. Let's go. Let's get crazy. But I'm not doing this by myself. And so I have a lot of credit to give. And then also my team, you know, my family, and uh, everybody that's been supporting us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Very cool. So that fast it's just forward, started that fast forwards us to, uh, volume two, which is, yep. um, the Kickstarter's up now. So let's, yeah. let, let's talk about that. Yeah. So volume two is the continued storyline. The original, um, volume, the original volume one is, uh, the first four years, uh, 150 pages. So you not only do you get the comic, you also get extra pages of art and all these other things I've never published before. So this is volume two, and it matches perfectly with volume one. So you, when you put in your bookcase or whatever, it'll line right up. Let's, yep. let's see it. Yeah, exactly. And that okay, book sleeve gonna be right boom, there. Just like that. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it'll it'll line up exactly. Ooh. So it perfectly matches. Um, so if you cool. bought volume one, you definitely want volume two. But there's <laughs> a second half. And between that book and this book, you're going to get everything. 
So that's all the old uh, classic M4 tuner issues, 100%. So you want to get caught up with Max Boost, get both of these, and you can get those right now at maxboost.com on the Kickstarter, right? And so, um, yeah, and then this story, it's just basically, yeah, continued story. And then in here, I think I mentioned earlier, there's some other new behind-the-scenes stuff in here, the original pages, the original artwork that I've submitted yeah. that got rejected by Turbo Magazine, some other photos, fan stuff in here. We're going to have some fan art stuff. Uh, like, just really just wanting to have fun and do some fan service. And it's going to be the green cover uh-huh. version. Um, and last time we did a different cover, we did cover versions was really fun. And so in this time, we're going to do this version, which is what I'm calling the official cover yeah. with Max and the team. And then we're doing something called an influencer and friends cover, which, ta-da, you have been invited to be on. So, yeah. Yeah. So there, it's a very hand-selected uh, people. I'm doing a cover where I'm going to draw um, the, you know, all the influencers um, so, uh, and a car with them and we're going to kind of do this mashup on the cover yeah and it's going to be limited sold only in the kickstarter that's the only way you're going to get it i'm gonna uh, i'm saying that now until everybody and their mom's going to want one probably you yeah. never know so frank's going to be on there yes. with his car hell yeah right and uh we're going to get him all mixed up so people that are on the cover right now are going to be uh dayo shihara we've got matt field both falcon pro drivers so far we got mickey andrade who was actually yeah. on your show and he's going to have Courtney Day in his car with him, <laughs> right? So a lot of people know Courtney Day, his fiance, um, in his Bad Apple RX-7. We've got Honda Pro Jason. He's back on board. Um, we've got the big Mike yeah. uh, and his lewd. And then we've got, um, obviously, Frank. We're going to have uh, you and um, any car you want, your McLaren. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that one in the garage. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right? The, you know, the hatch no uh, or whatever you want. And we're going to do this fun thing. And then I'm going to draw these characters, your caricature, your car, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna film it so you can either share it if you want to, but I'm gonna share it with my um, with my audience as well, so they can watch me do the live streams. I might draw them live online oh, so people can wow. see it. I think it'd be super fun, man. Hell and, yeah! Uh, yeah. So either do it live live stream or um, or just videotape it at least so you can share it with people so you can see how we draw it. So can you imagine you're gonna be a cartoon character soon, dude? Dude, I'm stoked, bro. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. an honor, man. Thank you so much. I really really yep. appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm doing that. Uh, one of the reasons I'm doing that because you're one of the you're one of the few guys, right? That's one. I I'm honored to be on your show and Thank to you. be uh, and and to recognize like what I've you know what I've done enough to be sitting. Well, I'm not sitting in your studio, but you know, sitting in your studio yeah. today. I think it's a great honor. Thank um, you. But two is like we need you know we need people like you that um you know you're what I re- what I love about you is just again these podcasts and you know dropping basically dropping knowledge and giving uh you know giving a, a, our culture this level of depth in the conversation right yeah. and and really in, and really like being able to i, I can't talk like what other place can i even really talk about kind of um my story right so that is needed both for the new and the in the older generation that has been in this culture to help support the culture um and then two what i really love about you man is the fact that you actually have your own business and you're entrepreneurial entrepreneurial and you're hustling you can speak from a different place where you have actually literally you know, you're, you're someone that people should look up to and, and understand, like you took your passion and you made that work so that you, it is your work, you know? And just that, like I said, that's one of my things. That's why I think I live is to support people, to let them know what you love to do can be what you do. And that's important. Um, so I thank you and I'm appreciative of you having me on the show. And that, and that's one of the reasons why I want to get on my cover. So. Dude, that means so much to me. Thank you, bro. I really, really appreciate that. You know, um, You're welcome. 
one of the reasons that I do want to do this podcast is because there's so many amazing people in our community that have literally helped build the community and they have maybe an article from, you know, the mid 2000s. It's a couple pages that tells who they are or what they do and maybe a YouTube video of an interview at SEMA or something like that. But dude, people deserve way more than that. They've put their heart and soul into this community yeah. and fed into it. And that there's not any credit given to them and not even about <laughs> credit, not even anywhere for anybody to hear about their stories you know like yep. just just like yourself people would just say oh that's a guy that does max boost but there seems like there's way more to it than that and and we definitely need to dive into that on the next episode for sure man 100 um, because business building and just uh just facilitating a business making upwards of a million dollars in the 90s and just just being in control of that man i I admire that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and the failures. Too, yeah, so, no, I mean, definitely. I, I, I want to highlight those too, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we could talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people will be entertained. <laughs> definitely. There's, there's always learn, failures, but um, there's definitely a lot of successes. And for you to come back out and uh, be, on, uh, be on volume two, and I remember seeing when you put up volume two, and I think you wanted the 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 max that you wanted was like 25000 or something like that for and, uh, volume volume one for the volume two no it's five thousand five thousand fifty nine thousand fifty nine dollars five thousand nine hundred and fifty nine dollars five nine five nine that that's what you wanted it to be at or well, that's that what was it's the at original now. goal gotcha on kickstarter yeah and then uh, we did that in the first like i think yeah 10 10 minutes <laughs> i kept like seeing the numbers dude, and i kept seeing you push it and i'm like man this it's is fun. awesome that has it's to a, feel again great. it's the fans man credit to the fans it's yeah. and the people that are supporting this and believe in what we're doing together so you know yeah I, I, one day man like i said uh, to the fans i'm like it'll be so trippy when you one day go to the theater and there's a max boost movie yeah hell you're sitting yeah. there either with your kid or yourself or your friend whatever and you're just hanging out you're watching max movie and you knew me when like yeah. and you actually put your money down and you bought a comic and you're holding one of these versions which will never be reprinted ever again these are yeah. they, these are like i'm trying to never ever make these again so uh one time shot um and collectible and you'll know you're an og backer of that like crazy thing and uh, hopefully again halloween costumes or something <laughs> Dennis, you never know man how big love the vision it, can be yeah i love it so. i love it and i love people with big visions and i wish you the best anything that i can ever do to help you uh reach your goals man i'm always here to help you out I'm, uh, you already I'm are. You already are, man. It. Thank you. Dude, thank you already you. are. So before yeah, we... we before we get out of here, man, um, please let everybody know about Volume Two, what they can do right now, right after the podcast, to uh, to secure that that version. And is there any more of uh, the first version out if they want to uh, keep the collection going? Yep. So yeah, just go over to maxboost.com. Max M A X B O O S T dot com. Uh, go check it out, and you can actually back this project on Kickstarter right, Kickstarter right now uh, when we publish this uh, podcast. Um, go get it. Not, don't just get one. Maybe get two. If you haven't got Volume 1, you still got a chance to get Volume 1 and Volume 2 in that Kickstarter so you can catch up on everything. Very cool. Um, yeah, so appreciate that. And just to let you know, if you look on the Kickstarter page, there's also collectibles and exclusives from Kickstarter that I do, like lanyards, keychains, 
pins and all these other things that I don't reproduce again later. Um, that a lot for a lot of people that are collectible collectors, yeah. they love those kinds of things. Go check it out and grab some of that as well. So um, yeah, so maxboost.com. Maxboost.com, guys, please, please support them. Uh, this is this is an awesome story. You know, you're yeah, you're thanks. It's it's not only a book of uh, of Max Boost, but this is going to be a book of your life, man. And uh, just, <laughs> just telling yeah. the things that you've gone through, and to be able to to take that long of a hiatus and come back. And to still be crushing it, bro, that, that's got to be a great feeling, man. And you have a lot of good supporters out there that want to see what it's you a, succeed. That's where my good feeling comes from, man. It's just having these guys, these amazing fans that I actually now have become almost friends with, like yeah. literally on social media and really get to interact with them. Man, it's really cool, man. And it's a blessing. It really is. I love it. So if they want to interact with you on social media, where can they find you at? Well, uh, our Instagram is probably our most prominent right now. Uh, Max Boost Comic, right? Uh, Max Boost Comic, go check us out there. Okay, um, and then I have something um, just to let people know that really want to dive in a little bit more. We actually do a Max Boost private Facebook group. Cool. cool so, cool. yeah, in there, like I'm literally in there personally, and we get to have better conversation in there because it's private, right? Yeah. And we get to talk talk stuff and, and i and i announce stuff in there and whatnot so anybody that's really down for max boost uh that's listening go over there everyone's invited we just keep it private to keep it private so max boost private group on facebook is a great way to hang out with the crew gotcha, and, man. and other fans yeah cool guys please check out maxboost.com um support volume two i'm excited for it uh at Really, really appreciate you putting me in it and, and me being part of it, dude. I'm super excited. Right and, on, man. Um, Dennis, thank you for your time, bro. I really pre this, appreciate this conversation. You're welcome, and thank you for doing what you do, man. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing, man. There's a lot of hard work doing this. and um, <laughs> What? 130-something shows? No, this is 162 right here. 160-something? Yeah, sorry. 160 something 162 yeah, two a week man uh and i love it that's, i love hearing called, all these stories that's what, that's what the d on your head uh, on your hat is dedication bro. Dead, dedication yeah i try man so um big shout out to you bro i really really Thank appreciate you. you being on the show and uh big shout out to our supporters um hilltoe automotive make sure you guys check them out on instagram at hilltoe automotive um or their website hilltoeauto.com uh parts realtor you could go there and uh you could buy pretty much any of the brands that are supported in the honda community been around since 2002 you might even know the guy from back in the day marcus um hmm. great guy uh we just had him on the podcast you guys check that one out but uh dennis yeah. thank you for your time man and um i'm gonna read this whole book tonight and I i'm probably gonna draw too because i like drawing so i'm gonna pick <laughs> oh, one of these characters you are you you got you got talent so i'm trying man i'm gonna i'm gonna take this home tonight i'm gonna draw one of the characters and i'll oh, send we it should to do you. this you gotta do it and it will publish it in volume two. Oh, dude oh Let's do it. I'm down. I I'm want a with Frank it. Downstar original Max Boost oh, shit. Like, drawing that we could put in there. I will put, dude, you got it. You got a page Let's in there do if it. you want to drop 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 uh drop some, uh you know some piece of mad art on there i'm on it tonight <laughs> that man. would be awesome let's do it and then i gotta do my version of you you're gonna you're i love it. it i love yeah, it bro all right dennis you be safe man everybody thank you for listening once again this is downtime with downstar episode 162 and we out peace